Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. So first of all, I just have a little exercise for you. I want us to get really aware of the moment that we're in. So, um, you know, first of all, like think about actually your body sitting on the chair and that, oh, sorry, my how embarrassing. <laughs> Let me try that again, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay, that was my mobile. Apologies. Um, I just want you to be really aware of this moment that we're in, just sitting on the chair and how, oh, jeez, hang on. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Right now, hey? Yeah, okay, go away. No, just kidding. Okay, Um, and just how your feet are on the floor and that there's people around you and the sense of everything in the room and just being really aware of this moment because God is in this moment right now. And, um, you know, just putting away everything else and just thinking about our God. Oh, gosh. Sorry, this is really distracting, isn't it? Yeah, maybe I should put it away, right? And maybe I should be in this moment. What do you think? But first of all, let's take a selfie. Hashtag be in the moment. Woo! It's ridiculous, right? Thank you. Thank you, darling. Okay. Hashtag be in the moment. Isn't that just a contradiction in itself? All right? So we've got these moments and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is so beautiful. I just need to be out of this for a minute so I can take the best photo, hashtag, be in the moment. All right? So really, those kind of things can really take away. Now, there's nothing wrong with Instagram. Okay, I don't want to lose anyone under 25 here. All right? But what I'm saying is, it's what an interesting contradiction we have when we have this hashtag on the front of being in the moment. It doesn't really make sense, does it? Sometimes there's things that actually take us away from 100% attention in a moment. Now, it doesn't have to be just Instagram. However, when we were in Dunsborough, I was watching this couple who were very, very gorgeous looking people on the beach and she was laying in her bikini looking at the water and he was taking a photo from here and I could see her going like no no from this angle (laughs) yeah get get that yeah that's right all right hashtag being the moment and then um then then they swapped the phone and he went knee deep into the water looking out at the sunset like this he's very buff guy you know I bet she's tensing and she's taking that as well hashtag being the moment and so um you know sometimes we can get really distracted our phones can be a killer for that have you ever been at the dinner table and you have this really good conversation and then bing you know and what do you do you know, like we try, we say we don't, but we do. If it's there, we check it. Um, what about at a concert when people have got this amazing concert and the lights are going, stuff like that, and they're watching it through their phone, you know, <laughs> instead of actually being there? Or um, it's a good one at school when you have parents watching their kids do a performance. Who does that? You're not actually watching your child. You're watching through the phone. Okay. They can be distracting. It doesn't have to just be mobile phones and social media and technology though, does it? Have you ever been talking to someone in a conversation and you're nodding your head and then you're just thinking about the next thing you're going to say, you know, or um, what you've got to do in half an hour time and 
if you're anything like me after church, you're going, where on earth are my kids? <laughs> uh, where are they running around to? And I'm like, sorry, what? Sorry, what? You know, being in the moment. Does anyone do that in prayer? Okay, so this is... <laughs> Jess and I joke about this a lot. We actually, we are both very conscious at the moment we're trying to work on being good prayers and we're still learning. So this is usually my prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for this beautiful day and I just, just be in this with me and I've got four loads of washing. I'm going to take the kids to school and uh, gosh, I'm a bit uncomfortable. Anyway, <laughs> being in the moment can be hard sometimes, right? Well, Jesus had this issue as well. So in John chapter 5, verse 1 to 8, Jesus is in a very distracting environment. We've heard this story through higher love um, with some other people talking about it, but I want to bring us back to it again. So it says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethsaida with four covered porches. Five. Five. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame and paralysed, lay on the porches. Now that's a distracting environment. You know, five covered porches around a pool and there's sick people, lame people, paralysed, blind. You know, that's a pretty chaotic looking atmosphere, don't you think? And what did Jesus do? He comes in and he goes, excuse me, everybody, excuse me. Hello, my name's Jesus. I do miracles. I'm here to heal you today. So if you're blind, you're paralyzed, you're lame, I'd like you to line up. Paralyzed people. (laughs) I'd like you to line up and I'm going to heal you today. Is that what he did? Yeah. No, of course not. I've read it, I promise. Or does he come in with his supernatural powers like Hollywood and go, And heal everyone and then just, boom, walk out with that, that Hollywood music. Dun-dun, dun-dun. Does he do that? He doesn't, does he? No, in all this chaos, in all this messiness and everything that's going on, he sees one man lying there for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew that he'd been ill for a long time, what does he do? He comes up to him, right? So they can talk. And he says... Would you like to get well? And the man says, I can't. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So he doesn't come in with bells and whistles and all this kind of stuff. He's so aware of the moment in despite of all the craziness. And he pays attention to someone. And he comes down to their level and he speaks to them. Can you imagine someone who's been there for 38 years who has no one to put them into the water? So that means no one's coming and checking on him, are they? He hasn't had attention. He's alone. He's hopeless. And Jesus steps in to that moment. He pays him attention. And Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Now you can argue, well, that's Jesus. Like, you know, he's connected with God. Chelsea is the saviour of the world. We can't do that. Well, actually, remember that Jesus said that I've given you the Holy Spirit and you're going to do greater things than me. So we can throw that argument out the window and let's learn how to pay attention. 
Um, O'Connor and Legs, they authored the book Coaching with NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, which basically means the language of the brain. And they say that attention is one of the most precious commodities in the world. You cannot command it. It can only be given. We feel less alive, less energetic when we do not get enough attention. Attention is vital to our psychological well-being as air and water are to our physical well-being. Um, communication is not just talking. Only 7% approximately is how we communicate through language. Around 23% is tone and around 70% is body language. So when we are talking about paying attention, it's more than what we say, but it's what we do and it's how we do it. And that's what changes lives. That's what gets us to be more energetic, more alive when we get attention, like air and water is to our physical well-being. So let's look at some of the other ways that Jesus did this. In Luke 19 verse 1, we hear another very famous story where Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he became very rich. Remember that the tax collectors are like really dodgy, okay? They're really good at sinning. They're really good at getting what they want and leaving everybody else with nothing. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree behind the road for Jesus was going to pass by. When Jesus came, he looked up in Zacchaeus and said, what are you doing now? You look like an idiot. Of course he didn't. He said, Zacchaeus, he said, come down because I want to be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly came down and Jesus took him into his house with great excitement and joy. Paul Scanlon says there are two sides of communication. One is what we say and the other is what we hear. And as we get better at understanding people and paying attention to how their life is going and being in their moment, that we get, make sure that what we say and what they hear is more in line, which is what Jesus did. He knows Zacchaeus isn't up there, you know, he's, he'd be this rich man, he would have power, and here he's scrambling up a tree. He's trying to say something, isn't he? He wants connection. He wants a solution, and Jesus knows that. He can read beyond what his behaviour, which is pretty ridiculous, and says, I want to have a moment with you. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to step into your world. The interesting thing is in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. I've got a lot of verses today. I'm not going to put all of them up here because I'm going to jump a few around. And I want you to pay attention more to what I'm saying than the reference. Um, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I just think that is so interesting, right? Like, how many of the most notorious sinners are in our church? Do they feel comfortable here? Are they coming to hear what God has to say through us? Maybe. You might be like, oh, yes, I don't know. <laughs> but they came to Jesus. They came to him. He wasn't going out and dragging them in there. They were coming in flocks to hear what he had to say. And not for him to say, it's okay. Don't worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about it. Here, let's party. He's going, I'm going to teach you a better way to live. So they were coming for advice. And I think, how did he do that? Why were people so drawn to him? 
I think Luke chapter 5 gives us a bit of a clue where Levi and other tax collectors were all together and they had Jesus um, eating dinner with them. And the religious leaders say, why do you eat with such scum? They say that to Jesus. Can you imagine being labelled such scum? You know, like they don't know these people. Yes, they've seen their behaviours. They've seen the difficult things that they may have done on the surface, but they don't know them. They're not friends. They don't spend time with them. And here they say such scum. One of my friends on the back of their toilet door has a saying that says, if you could read someone's story, you would love everyone. Because everyone's story, when you get to know them and you find that beyond bad behaviour is a person who's had experiences, good or bad, have made choices, good and bad, and they're now at that moment. But all of us want that connection and that attention and to be seen for who we are, right? Jesus answers these religious leaders and says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those that know they are sinners and need to repent. Virginia Satur says, listening and looking requires one's full attention. We make a heavy price for not seeing and hearing accurately as we end up making assumptions and treating them as facts. If we're not 100% in moments where we're paying attention to the person in front of us, we may make assumptions and treat them as facts. And when we're actually called to be like Jesus and see beyond behaviour into what people need, we need to make sure that we're not making assumptions when we're actually treating them as facts. And we can do that by paying attention. And in that is so much healing. Yoyan Hari says the opposite of addiction is connection. And we've got a lot of people around this area and a lot of problems with addiction. We know that. Yoyan Haring says... We should call addiction bonding because it's bonding to something to connect. And, but healthy bonding, which is relationships with self, family and friends, is the path to heal addiction. Accept them without judgment. So we're not saying that addiction is okay or that it's a good choice or don't worry about addressing those issues. But what it's saying is, is that healing comes from connection, from attention, from being in a moment with somebody, for seeing them for their value. And we can do that, right? We can start to do that. There's this beautiful poem and it says, he drew a circle to shut me out. Heretic rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. And we drew a circle and we took him in. Just to make sure that our circle's bigger, you know. So they might put up their walls, but if we have our attention so fixed on that person that we can draw a circle that brings them in like Jesus did, we can change this community. So that's our community. But what about closer to home? What about self and our close relationships? I want to talk about that one in reference to my own experiences. But first of all, with a quote from Brene Brown from her book, Daring Greatly. She says, when people we love or whom we have a deep connection with stop caring, stop paying attention, stop investing, stop fighting for the relationship, trust begins to slip away and hurt starts seeping in. Disengagement triggers shame and our greatest fears, the fears of being abandoned, unworthy and unlovable. What makes this covert betrayal so much more dangerous than something like a lie or an affair is that we can't point to the source of our pain. 
There's no event, no obvious evidence of brokenness. It feels like crazy making. I had this experience in my own life after I became a mum. I so wanted to be a mum. I was so excited. I wanted to be a mum ever since I got married. I had to wait seven years before I could become a mum. And I was so excited. (laughs) I married a student, okay? I had to work first. Um, But when I became a mum, I was so excited. But one thing that happened that I wasn't expecting was Fear from my past of failure and disconnection came up in a way that I never understood and I actually started to distance myself emotionally from my children. Or at this point, I only had one. I had Evelyn. She was about one year old and I remember sitting with her on the mat and I was playing with her and I actually felt like I was sitting above watching me play and I so could not connect in with that moment. I was so disconnected because I was so scared of if I loved this moment too much, if I let myself feel how much I feel for you and I lose this or I fail at this, I don't know if I can handle that. But what I was doing was I was actually disconnecting myself, taking attention away and I was creating the problem I was scared of because of my own fear of vulnerability and connecting with my daughter. I felt like it was crazy making. I felt that that disconnection was just doing my head in. I didn't want to feel like that. I wanted to be there, but I was struggling with this emotional disconnection of how to do that. Luckily for me, my gorgeous God came to my rescue when I had my second son, and he was around two. Um, And he was sitting out on the trampoline, and I was looking at him through my window. And in my mind, I said, gosh, I hope I don't fail him. I was so scared. And so instead of going and connecting with him, I sat and I watched because I didn't want to go into his world, be in his moment, pay attention and get it wrong. And then God said to my heart, instead of trying to teach him, why don't you try to learn from him? And I was like, okay. And I walked out and I came to my two-year-old sitting on the trampoline And he said, Mum, sit. And I went, okay. (laughs) And I sat next to him on the trampoline and it's just quiet. And he's just totally enthralled in whatever he was doing. And in my mind, I'm going, gosh, I've got four loads of cleaning to do. And I'm all there, you know. And then um, I was like, be in the moment, learn, 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 learn. So I said, okay. Oh, And I started to mimic his gaze and his posture. And I noticed he was looking up at the trees. So I started looking up at the trees. And when I actually let myself be in that moment, I started to realise the beauty in it, that, you know, the trees are swaying and the way that the light shined through the leaves and how each leaf had a different coloured green and the shadows danced on the floor. And I was just like in awe of this beautiful moment. And then all of a sudden I was disrupted by this hand that came up in my face, which was Leroy, and he had these leaves and they were mandarin leaves. And he looked at me and he said, smell. And I went, okay. And I, I smelt these leaves and it was the most beautiful, refreshing citrus smell that just went through my whole body. And I realised, I was 32 at the time, I realised that I had never, ever smelt mandarin leaves in my life. And it was a new experience for me. Thank God for my two-year-old. And he looked at me like this and went, <laughs> you know, 
good, isn't it? That's what he's thinking. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And then my lesson continued. He said, mum, come. Okay. And he crawls under our trampoline. It's a low trampoline. And he's like, come, come, come on, like that. And I'm like, oh, sweetie, I'm sorry. I can't fit under there. And um, so he kind of looked at the piece of grass that he'd, you know, saved for me. And then he looked at me and he grabbed it and he pulled it up out of the ground and he crawled back to me and he put it in my hand. And it moved me so much. It was almost like he was saying, if you can't come to me, I'll come to you. And, you know, it's the lesson for me was look at the trees, Chelsea, smell the mandarin leaves and share the grass. But it was absolutely profound to my life because it was God telling me to reconnect in with what I've given you, your body, your, pe- your little people, reconnect in. Learn how to use what I've given you to connect in. Don't worry about tomorrow and what you're going to do and what you're going to fail at and what you're not going to get right. Be in this moment. It may be the last one you get. Matthew 6 verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worries about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Be in the moment. So how do we do this? How do we learn to pay attention? Well, this is what my beautiful God has taught me through this experience and through a lot of other things that I've read and learned over the journey of these years. And I'm so grateful for them. And I'm still working on them, but I'd love to share them with you today. And it's the beautiful tools that we've been given in this body that he gave us. So Psalm uh, chapter 134, verse 13 to 14. And this is the New International Version because it's my favorite. Um, It says, For you created my innermost being and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He has given us this body. It's a strategic putting together to give us tools to work with, to connect. Virginia Satur, as I quoted before, in her book, People Making, which is about communicating and connecting with people, she talks about engaging all your senses so that when you talk to people, she says, level with them. So that means, you know, like when someone comes home and you're like washing the dishes, you're like, hi, honey, how was your day? And you're not actually there, are you? I haven't paid attention to Matt. I haven't seen if he's come in with a smile or he's exhausted or something. I'm not in that moment. So levelling is when you come over, you get close enough to take in all your senses of communicating with that person beyond what they say. So it's our sight, our smell, our um, touch, our taste, everything that's happening, our hearing in that moment. Use every tool you've got to suck up what's happening and interpret what's going on. We need to learn to level. When you talk to a little person, get down and talk to them and get part of their world, you know. That's what Jesus did, right? That's what Jesus did with that man that was sitting around the well. He came into his space. He didn't yell from across the other side and say, I've got the solution. You know, he came and connected. He gave attention and it's life-changing. Um, when with the lady that was bleeding in Luke chapter 8, you know, all these people are bustling up against Jesus and he says, who touched me? He was aware of his senses, wasn't he? He felt the spirit go from his body. And they're like, what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you. No, 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 someone touched me. 
in the blind beggar that yells out to him, Son of David, have mercy on me. He hears him above the crowd. He's using every sense he has to pay attention in the moment. The other thing beyond our senses we also have is our heart. Now, our heart is so much more than pumping um, blood through our body. The HeartMath Institute has now discovered that 60% of our heart cells are like neurocells and they generate information, reference every meaningful memory and they function as a brain where we ask the questions of life. So we can actually learn to connect in with what our heart is telling us. And in... um, the beautiful story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, she does this. And in Luke chapter 2, many times they reference that she stored these treasures in her heart. She stored these memories up. When Jesus was born and everyone was running off to tell them that there's been born, she stored him up in her heart. When Simeon and Anna prophesied over Jesus when he was a baby and they said things that no one else could have known, she stored it up in her heart. Um, when Jesus was missing and then they found him and it was amazing, the teachers with his questions said and his mother stored all these things up in her heart she draws these memories into her heart to strengthen her to understand what's going on to be in the moment Uh, the other one that we have in our beautiful body that we can connect into to be into the moment is our gut. The gut is really interesting at the moment. Everyone's talking about the intelligence of the gut. Michael Gershon, he um, is an expert in this field and says that 100 million neurons are in the gut. That is more than the spinal cord. And it's an independent data processing that relays messages and neuromodulators and transmitters. It's a system that acts independently and learns and remembers. Have you ever had a gut instinct? That's intelligent. We can pay attention to more than our senses, but also our heart and our gut and interpret what's going on when we be 100% in the moment. Let's learn to pay attention. Um, Anne Voskamp, she wrote the book 1000 Gifts and this is what she's basically talking about is learning to see the beauty in each moment and she lists off the graces and the beautiful things that God has given her, such things like book pages turning and the sound of that or child sobs ebbing, the click of a seatbelt, laughter, the squeak of an old swing swaying. Soap suds and all the colours of the sun, you know? So it's like in our moments when we pay attention, in any moment there's this beautiful gratefulness there that we can really use everything God's given us to connect in. We can be right here, right now. So that's in the small. And now I want to show you the big. And um, we've got this video and it shows you what's actually happening right now in this moment from where we are all the way up to where God is. Have a look. What lies beyond that cosmic horizon? Our God, right? And in this moment, right now, all of that is happening. And we have a God that is paying attention to us. Isn't that amazing? And we can communicate that to the other people in our community and in our lives when we pay attention in the moment just like Jesus did. And right now we're going to sing this beautiful song which has all these references to the creation. And I want to encourage you to right now use everything that you've been given to connect with your God in this moment. Be here right now. We're over time and I know that. Let's ignore that and let's be in this moment 
right now with our God and let him change our lives so we can change others.